the Mar-a-Lago Raid, the Inflation Reduction Act, and an ease in inflation. I'm Cecily Fernandez, and this is a Square Circle. Welcome to the Square Circle. I'm your host, Cecily Fernandez. Joining us today are Libertarian Dan Mitchell of the Center for Freedom and Prosperity. Dan, nice to see you. Be here. Progressive Matthew Sheffield of Flux Community. Matt, great Hi. having you. Thanks. Good to be here. And Conservative David Swindle of God of the Desert Books. David, Thanks wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. This week, the FBI raided former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. Attorney General Merrick Garland said he personally authorized the raid and Republican defenders of Trump are up in arms about the situation. David, what do you make of what we know at this point about the raid? Well, we still don't know a whole lot. We don't know um, a lot of the key specifics, but what we do know is, is that the amount of um, evidence that they needed to have in order to, to do the raid needed to be very significant. We also know that the materials which Trump is alleged to um, have taken with him, the classified information, which he shouldn't have, have, have taken, of, of course, um, they tried to get that back with a subpoena already. So th this wasn't like out of a blind side out of nowhere. Um, but I, it, I'm really disappointed, it not, though not surprised to see, you know, um, my, my friends, you know, on the right, uh, continuing to defend Trump using the, the same arguments and some new ones. It's it's interesting now we're hearing abolish the FBI and and trying to, to you know, take that that left wing rhetoric and use it on the right, which has been a, a common tactic. Um, but th this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, given everything that we've seen and known about Donald Trump, that this is a man who will, will cheat on his wives, will cheat his his workers will cheat his customers. So, of course, he's going to try and, and of course, was impeached twice. And you know, not even get into the usual complaints about uh, his presidency. Um, so I, I see this as simply um, the logical expression of what we see with what we came to expect from him, from his character, his character that we saw since he arose as a celebrity in the 1980s. So I'm not surprised at, at this point. Uh, Matt, what about you? What do you think about uh, what we know of this raid so far? Well, we do know actually that it was not a raid. Um, that's one thing that is for certain. Um, <clears throat> as David said, that this was actually a response that came uh, after they had made multiple attempts to get him to hand over documents which were stolen government property. Let's be clear. These were documents that belonged to the government. Um, there's and the Trump people have not denied that he had the documents um, like that's that is one of the most certain things that we know. And the other thing also is that Donald Trump had a copy of the warrant that was served and he had a copy of all the items that were taken from his um, from his building and he wasn't there at the time. And so this wasn't a disruptive act. And. Um, and in fact, as uh, the attorney general said uh, in, a, in a court filing today, the uh, the um, 
the search was not disruptive and, and nobody actually really knew about it until Donald Trump talked about it. So if this was this was the most innocuous, quiet and uneventful raid, uh, then I, I'd like to see what an actual raid looks like. Uh, Dan, what do you make of this um, raid or non-raid or um, innocuous, uh, quiet? Uh... <laughs> First thing I would say is that Donald Trump is a unifier because all three of us are are perfectly willing and able to believe that he's done something wrong and that uh, it's necessary for law enforcement to intervene to try to make sure that he's obeying the law. I guess the one thing I would say, because as a libertarian, I'm happy that some conservatives are suddenly seeing the light and getting concerned about the fact that law enforcement might be partisan, uh, might be might have too much power. Uh, and, and, and so two things I think we can simultaneously believe. One, Trump maybe did something wrong. And two, maybe law enforcement is misbehaving and being partisan. And maybe we should look at the FBI with a jaundiced eye because we don't want law enforcement in this country uh, to even come close to the notion that they might be behaving in a partisan fashion. And you can go all the way back to Nixon trying to misuse the IRS. Government has so much power that it's imperative that we make sure that there are very strong and very high guardrails to make sure that uh, these powers don't get misused. David, what do you think about that? Do you think that there is potential that, that um, you know, the, the FBI um, misused their power and that, that this was pretty heavy handed? I think we've been seeing this narrative for some time uh, develop over the years that the FBI is a partisan tool of the Democrats and and, and so forth. You know, um, throughout the the investigations into Trump, we we, we saw this narrative picking up, um, and in some ways, I, I'm I'm sympathetic to what Dan was saying just now that that uh, law enforcement. You know, I'm skeptical as a conservative of of big government, including big police. So it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we don't have to call it a raid, Matt. That's that's fine. I, you know, um, if, if, you know, the police, if the, the FBI investigators or, or, or so forth, if they may have enjoyed themselves a little bit, maybe dug in a bit further than than they, they needed to, been more destructive or got away with more, you know, uh, who knows if Donald Trump is telling the truth about this. But I, I seem to recall reading his complaints that they were disruptive of, of Melania's closet and her clothes in there. Oh no. So uh, I'd say that's a fair uh, criticism, yeah. but that's yeah, just yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they, if they were like, okay, we, we're going to, we're going to dig in a little bit here, do as much as we can. It wouldn't surprise me if there, there's some um, degree of corruption there. It wouldn't surprise me if there, we know that there have been partisan FBI agents and and so forth, and and we know that uh, a lot of police departments around the country uh, are problematic and and corrupt and need some degree of of reform. Uh, I'm I'm not a back the blue across the line. I'm kind of conservative. I think there, there's a lot of problems in in many e law enforcement that that uh, needs to be looked at and and reformed. Okay. And uh, Matt, what do you what would your prediction be about what happens next? I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, the the Justice Department had filed the motion to get the the search warrant and the uh, the served warrant and the appendices to that, and then the list of the items which were retrieved. They have filed to open that to the public. Uh, Trump chose not to let the public see that, so that should tell you something 
that he doesn't want the public to to understand fully what happened. He wants them to have his highly biased. Um, and well, frankly, we know he lies about everything. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's that's the next step. Is the judge is going to has already asked the uh, Trump attorneys, okay, are you going to formally oppose this becoming public? And right now, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, but certainly, it behooves Trump to keep people in the dark about his um, investigations into him so that he is the only source uh, of what people can know about them. Because under under the law, and this is a good law, that you know, prosecutors are not allowed to talk about cases except in their court filings. And, and that is certainly um, a, a good precedent. But it can serve to create misinformation and allow serial congenital liars like Donald Trump to to spin the public. I mean, the reality is, though, that, you know, when you look at world around the world, um, there are many former heads of state who have actually been put in jail. Like Donald Trump just had some people knock on the door and take some files when he wasn't even there. So, but like, we, there, I mean, there's just, there are m dozens of, of, of executives in, in major countries like France. Uh, they've, ha they've had a prime minister who was put in prison, um, Nic Nicolas Sarkozy, the former president, um, he was put in jail just a couple of years ago. Um, and you've had that in, in Ireland and um, Ehud Olmart in Israel uh, served in a several years in prison and Silvio Berlusconi in, in Italy. I mean, there's literally Wikipedia has an entire listing of former heads of state who have been put in jail, some of whom while they were currently in office. So this is a normal and healthy functioning. Again, like as long as the rules were followed and, you know, we, we see that there was a, a uh, court, you know, a, a judge signing off on this and, and the DOJ is wanting to make the, the information public. So, I mean, if they did something wrong, you know, it seems like they wouldn't want to be making that information as public as they could. Well, we'll be watching closely, that's for sure. Um, but also this week, Democrats notched a major victory in passing the Inflation Reduction Act after West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin dropped his opposition to the bill. Um, Matt, we'll start with you. Um, Will this bill do what its name suggests and reduce inflation? Uh, well, I think that remains to be seen. Um, I, I've always been more of a skeptic in terms of what uh, the any any government agency other than the Federal Reserve can do to inflation or not do. Um, but you know, it is true that there are some aspects of, that when you look at you know the. The Congressional Budget Office, which certainly is a much uh, more authoritative source on that, did say that there would be some impact. Uh, the question is, you know, how much or is, I mean, that's, uh, that really, I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to pretend that I will have an answer to that. But I will say that, you know, it, the discussion about the law really did kind of uh, it, it wasn't very helpful in terms of uh, people arguing against it and for it. Um, I mean, as I said, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that it will for sure have an impact on inflation. But the reality is that inflation is a, a big problem in pretty much every industrialized country in the world. I mean, like in the United Kingdom, they're at 8.2%, um, which is the, a record for them in France. They're at 6.1, the highest since 1980. 
1985, Australia the highest since 2001, Canada 8. I mean, it cuts across all the dogmas of people's, you know, oh, we need to spend more, we need to spend less. Um, these are not, these are questions that are, are um, much more difficult to resolve than simply appeals to ideological bona fides or, or, or predilections. And, and I, you know, and, and I mean, ultimately, really the biggest cause of inflation is probably that the world is coming out of these coronavirus, uh, you know, uh, contractions that the economies in every country experience. And as the, as the public around the world have been coming out and, and uh, buying things and going to restaurants. And, I mean, it is inevitable that inflation is going to be going up. And, and you can see that regardless of you know, who's running the government on all these different countries, whether it's the right wing or the left wing or, you know, something in between. Uh, Dan, um, you know something about the economy. What do you think about um, this bill? Will it w reduce inflation? I agree with what Matt said, that inflation is a monetary phenomenon. We should look first, second, last, Next to last, we should always look at what the Federal Reserve is doing. The reason we had inflation is because beginning in 2020, the Fed dramatically expanded its balance sheet, which, which is simply an economist way of saying they injected a lot of liquidity into the economy. Now that liquidity is sort of spread through the economy. It's showing up in terms of rising consumer prices. And now the Fed is taking some steps uh, to finally begin to try to unwind that damage. But passing the tax and spend bill uh, that you know, they they called the Inflation Reduction Act simply because I, I assume they thought it was good politics, but it's really just a tax and spend bill. I don't like it, but I try to comfort myself by realizing that compared to the four to five trillion dollars of new spending and higher taxes that Biden initially was proposing, this is just a penny ante bit of garbage uh, that they want. They didn't want to leave money on the table and they realized that Mansion and Cinema. Uh, were, would be willing to go for a small package. And so rather than get nothing, they pass this bit of nonsense. Uh, they're trying to make it seem like it's a big deal. I don't like it, but the good news is, in the grand scheme of things, it's just one more straw on the camel's back of big government. Uh, I, you know, It's not gonna be good for the economy, but it won't have anything to do with inflation. David, what do you think will be the impact of this bill? Oh, Dan had had a lot of great points there, um, which I'm, I'm sympathetic towards, you know, because I have a lot of libertarian tendencies also. But it sounds like uh, one of the big impacts from the bill is going to be expanding the IRS and giving them, you know, what they wanted to get more enforcement agents to supposedly just go after the wealthy people. But that's not really going to be the case at all. They're also going to be going after small business and, and people that don't aren't just regular employees. So. Um, I, 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 and on the one hand, I, I like the idea of, okay, people, very wealthy people that are, are doing in, in things that they shouldn't to hide their money. And then we need more people to, you know, crab down on those crimes. Sure. That that's, that's one thing, but it shouldn't be framed in, um, in, in, in inducing in, in, uh, inflation. Matt, what do you think about that? That aspect of this, um, bill? I honestly think they will, they will like it. Um, because the reality is that the richest people in the United States pay almost no taxes, uh, in many cases, zero taxes, like Jeff Bezos or the Amazon founder. I mean, uh, there, so in fact, uh, the, there's this uh, uh, journalism organization called ProPublica, and they, and who knows how they got it, but they got the tax returns of the 25 richest Americans, and they found that basically 
they pay nothing in taxes. Um, and Donald Trump, you know, himself can testify to that. He didn't pay any taxes either. So basically what's happened is that when the very richest people are not paying taxes, they're, they're manipulating laws and using expensive accounting firms, um, that it's a, it's a separate set of rules for them and ones that regular people can't, can't uh, follow. And, and so what's happened is that because the IRS has been, um, has been underfunded in terms of, of, of employees, that the tax burden has, it's been a tax increase on, on middle-class Americans. And, and that's just the reality is that. Um, and, and so that was uh, one of the things that, that, uh, that did get, um, Joe Manchin interested in trying to get some more uh, fairness for people. I mean, like the reality is like Jeff Bezos's wealth from 2006 to 2018 increased by $127 billion. But he reported on his taxes that he only had $6.5 billion in increase. Um, and so, you know, there are serious problems with regard to the way that tax enforcement is structured. And most of the money that is being allocated to the IRS under the bill is actually just to replace existing employees because apparently their workforce um, is a lot older than the average uh, workforce uh, for some agencies. And so, um, the way that it's working is that uh, yeah, most of that money is just going to be to replace people who are going to retire. Um, so, and then also a lot of the money that is being spent is on computer modern uh, computer system modernization. And obviously, we should be in favor of that because who wants the IRS, you know, running computers from the 1990s? Uh, because all of our personal data is in there. Like, I want them to have the best damn computers in the world so that they don't get hacked. Dan, uh, what do you think about some of those specifics about this bill? Um, for example, the $80 billion for the IRS. I agreed with some of what Matt said earlier in the program. I, I disagree strongly what, with what he said about the IRS. The first thing to point out is that citing ProPublica, ProPublica was grotesquely dishonest in its analysis. It compared what happens to people's wealth to their tax rate on income. But like if my house goes up in value, I don't put that down on my tax return. If Jeff Bezos's Amazon stock goes up in value, that's not additional income, that's additional wealth. And fortunately, we don't tax wealth in this country. So ProPublica was a very dishonest organization, but that's actually not the biggest problem. The biggest problem was that someone at the IRS leaked this information, which is a felony offense. And one thing I wrote months ago is that nobody should give the IRS one additional penny until the criminals at the IRS who leaked that information were found, tried, convicted, and hopefully buried under a jail. To have a partisan ideological tax agency, I mean, we just talked about concerns about the, IRS, about the FBI becoming partisan. It's even worse when the IRS, which by the way, the IRS union uh, of, of government uh, IRS employees, they give 99% plus of their contributions to Democrats. So a lot of Americans out there are very concerned about the honesty and the ethics at the IRS. Well, moving on, uh, finally this week, new numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics show that inflation eased slightly in July, although prices are still up substantially from the last time, uh, from this time last year. Um, Dan, what accounts for this easing of inflation and do you think it will continue? When we're looking at the inflation numbers, I guess there's two things that are worth considering. 
One is the big drop, the reason that inflation didn't continue going up at a rapid rate is because energy prices fell. But energy prices fell in part because there was a big drop in demand. Why was there a big drop in demand? Because many people can't afford to drive as much. So I'm not sure that was good news. And even some of my left-wing economic friends on Twitter and elsewhere have been making that point. But having said that, as we already discussed, the Fed made a horrible mistake back in 2020 and continued it for far too long of having an easy money policy. The good news is in recent months, the Fed has begun to try to unwind that mistake. So yes, you know whether this temporary halt and the increase uh, is, is due to anything significant, I don't know because you, ne you never wanna read too much into one month or one quarter of data. But I don't doubt that over the next 12 months, we are going to see inflation abate for the simple reason that the Fed is, at least to some degree, undoing its mistake. And by the way, since we're on this topic, it's not just that the Fed made a mistake. The European Central Bank made the same mistake. The Bank of England made the same mistake. If you look at the data, and all these central banks have websites, and you can look at their so-called balance sheet data, you can see that they all dramatically expanded their balance sheets, which meant, of course, that they were creating and injecting liquidity into the economy. They all basically made the same mistake, panicking at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, but then they kept it going after we began to realize that the world would go on, we weren't all gonna die, but central banks didn't stop the, you know, they had their foot on the gas, they should have taken their foot off, off the gas in the late summer at the latest of 2020, but they kept their foot on the gas for a long time. Now the world, almost every place in the world is dealing with that high inflation. Now central banks around the world are trying to undo the mistake. But boy, I wish they had done this two years ago because who is suffering the most because of inflation? It's not rich people who know how to hedge their assets and things like that. It's poor people who are suffering because of the inflation. And then it's gonna be poor people who suffer as the economy sort of goes through the, the pain of unwinding the inflation. So to me, this underscores the problem that government intervention, it's usually supported by people who don't like the rich, but it's usually the poor who wind up getting hurt when government gets more active and gets bigger. Hey, um, David, what do you make about um, this uh, news that um, inflation eased and um, the Biden administration's uh, victory lap? I don't buy the victory lap. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't give them credit necessarily. Um, however, I, I think Dan is, is, is on the money again. Um, that, and, and, and Matt was also you know, making this, this point earlier. We're simply seeing the effects now of the economic policy from Corona. And everybody knew that, that something along these lines was coming, that so much additional money was injected into the economy to try and keep people's businesses afloat and, 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 and help people struggling with the situation. We knew that, that the bill was going to come due at some point. And this is how the bill is being paid by all of us having to pay more at the grocery store, having to pay more at the pump. Matt, what do you think? Are we uh, turning the corner and it, it, will this be some uh, good news for um, Biden who um, faces some headwinds as far as uh, how Americans uh, view his handling of the economy? Um, well, I think there are a number of factors here. So, I mean, for one, there is always an increase in fuel prices during the summertime months when people are driving more and going on vacations. I mean, that's a historic trend going back decades. Um, and so now that as we're heading, you know, to 
many places are, have already started school and, and people are coming back from their vacations, et cetera. So the gas prices are going to be going down because demand goes down naturally. Um, so, but at the same time, I, I think also, you know, there have, uh, people have also been calling attention to various companies that have been engaging in different profiteering tactics. So, uh, and, and you can, you can see their incentive to do that when you have, an, when they see an unstable economic situation that they just went through where they may have been, uh, you know, uh, living off of reserves or something like that. Uh, and then now that they can get people buying their stuff again, now they're raising the prices. And, and, and that has happened and been documented to have happened in terms of that the prices have increased in some fields disproportionate to the cost. And so that is one aspect of how inflation happens. But there's multiple reasons why it happens. And, um, and you know, and then also at the same time, the Federal Reserve during the Trump administration kept interest rates really, really low, um, artificially low, actually for a long, long time. And they were doing that under direct pressure from Trump, who was trying to bully them and to get more money into the economy because he wanted to be to take credit for it. And even though he had nothing to do with it other than bullying the Fed. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, and that made it harder for them to have more wiggle room to kind of adjust things because they really couldn't lower them any more than they already had. Um, and, and when when there was a need, uh, so in other words, they were engaging in in putting more, you know, putting more money in in terms of buying, um, uh, you know, taking on more um, debt, and so or issuing more debt, and so whereas in a, in a more conventional sense, they might have just simply lowered the interest rates, but they were already as low as they could go basically at that point, and so that was probably a mistake. Um, to have done that earlier, um, but I mean, ultimately, it you know, well, what the main concern ultimately is is that when you have a period of high inflation, um, that you don't want to issue a, a recession. And you know, there there were two consecutive quarters of uh, declining GDP output, so we'll see um, what happens with the third one. I mean, hiring still seems to be very high. There was a you know. A, extremely high number of new jobs that were announced as having been created in the most recent period. So, um, you know, it's, I think it may, uh, may be anybody's, anybody's guess at this point to see what happens. All righty. Well, let's take some questions from our viewers. Wilson Robertson asks, do you think the Mar-a-Lago raid has something to do with a serious crime? Or was the FBI just trying to embarrass Trump? I'd say it's pretty serious. Um, as Matt said, it's it's the government's property that he's stolen, and theft is is a serious crime, however you want to define it. Um, and and this is par for the course for Trump. He he thinks that the the general laws don't apply to him, um, and um, so yes, it was serious. Dan. Uh, do you think Mar-a-Lago raid has something to do with a serious crime or was the FBI just trying to embarrass Trump? Like I said earlier in the program, it's possible for both things to be true. Uh, but I have no idea. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But as I did say earlier, uh, Trump seems to have this uncanny ability to always slip out of the net that uh, some of my uh, Democratic friends think they're about to uh, uh, catch him with. And so Maybe this, you know, uh, I guess cats only have nine lives. Maybe Trump's running up to the end of his uh, political lives. 
but uh, I have no way of knowing. Okay, uh, Matt, um, what do you think about this? I know you don't like the the the, the use of the word raid, but um, our viewer. Uh, use this word, so I will use it too. Uh, do you think the Mar-a-Lago raid has something to do with a serious crime or was the FBI just trying to embarrass Trump? Well, I think we'll know for sure once we get that warrant um, uh, issued to the public and if Trump doesn't stand in the way of it. I mean, ultimately he is the only one who could and so far has uh, tried to stop the public from knowing what the pretext was. So, um, you know, like if he's really concerned about his innocence, then seems like he should have put that out already. But, you know, so hopefully he won't oppose the release of it. Um, you know, and, and I would say that, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, we need to see how many documents were taken, I mean, and not returned to the government. And, and that was uh, in the manifest of, of the items that were returned and or that were, you know, retrieved. And so, I mean, uh, it's pretty cut and dried, you know, either Trump had the stolen documents or he didn't. And, you know, like if, if, he, if it's a case like Sandy Berger, the former Clinton administration official who uh, he, he was going to go to jail, they were going to put him in jail for taking documents from the National Archives. And, and he wasn't even having the originals like Trump has the originals of these documents. Um, so Sandy Berger almost went to jail. He lost his law license. He lost his security clearance for three years like these. You know, these these are these are serious. And actually, Trump himself made it a felony to take documents from the government. Donald Trump did this. So this is his own law <laughs> that he is being subjected to, which I think should should uh, perhaps make some people concerned about that. If, if you actually care about about, you know, uh, government whistleblowing and things like that. Okay. Um, Barbara Wallace asks, will the Inflation Reduction Act help or hurt Democrats in the midterm elections? I think the Inflation Reduction Act will have no impact. What Democrats should be worried about is that for the last, what, 19 straight months, inflation has grown faster than personal income. In other words, every single month for well over a year, the American people have gotten a pay cut. And as long as that continues, there's going to be this sense of unease. Families are going to have a harder time uh, of you know, making their budget, uh, putting food on the table, filling the, the tank with gas. The, if I was a Democratic political strategist, that's the number I would be worried about. I don't think the Inflation Reduction Act uh, is, is even 1% of what's going to drive the November elections. Okay, David, uh, will the Inflation Reduction Act help or hurt Democrats in the midterm elections? I think it'll help them. It'll be one thing that they can point to as, oh, here, here's here's an accomplishment. Um, but I don't think it's going to be very effective. Um, I, and I, personally, I, I see the primary issue uh, in that this is becoming Donald Trump's party um, in terms of seeing uh, his type of uh, ideology and um, and you know rejection of reality. There's now many Trumps all over all over the country. So if, if you're the voter and, and you're weighing, okay, Democrat policy, which I may or may not like that much, versus some guy who's who's talking about the election being stolen and is concerned about that, that that's that's not a difficult choice for 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 most you know middle of the line voters. 
Okay. Matt, uh, will the Inflation Reduction Act help or hurt Democrats in the midterm elections? Um, I think that probably really depends. I mean, when you look at the way that people, uh, surveys have shown that voters often do not vote on policy matters. Uh, they vote, and, and that's particularly true of Republican voters. They tend to vote more on identity politics, like Christian identity, which is why you do see in a lot of Republican uh, advertisements with, you know, people showing them wearing a crucifix or shooting a gun. I mean, these things have nothing to do with what your policy is about government spending or social safety nets or anything like that. These are irrelevant uh, symbolism. And so it all depends on, on how each party is able to leverage that and whether they choose to or not. I mean, there are things in the bill that uh, could be advantageous to Democrats if they talked about them a lot. And there are things that are in there that Republicans, if they talked about it a lot, um, could you know, potentially be of use, of use to them. So, but uh, I mean, ultimately it probably will help them a little bit, I'm guessing, um, just as, as as David said, it's just a thing to point to as an achievement and uh, something that they had said they were gonna do something about this stuff and they did something, you know, whether you think that's enough or too much or, I mean, that's another thing, but it's still a thing that they accomplished. Um, and so probably a little bit, but not that much is my guess. Okay. Alrighty, well, it is now time for the most underreported story of the week. Uh, is anybody dying to go first with their um, underreported story of the week? How about, oh, I, I get to call on somebody, my favorite. I'll jump in, I suppose. Oh, okay. <laughs> David? I found something interesting. We know that social media has a big problem with, with racism and anti-Semitism. We, we, we expect them not to be creating it themselves. So this story, it's the headline is Meta's artificial intelligence chatbot spews unacceptable anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Uh, and this story talks about how this artificial intelligence chat box, which uh, Meta released, Meta Incorporated, uh, it um, was talking with a Wall Street Journal reporter. And this chat bot made by, by Facebook made some anti-Semitic arguments. Uh, the, the article here says, in a conversation with a Wall Street Journal reporter that was shared on Twitter on Sunday, the chatbot claimed that it was, quote, not implausible, end quote, to believe that Jewish people control the economy and added that Jews have, quote, been a force in American finance and are overrepresented among America's super rich, end quote. So apparently this hasn't, this isn't the first artificial intelligence chatbot that, that has done this before. The article notes that that other ones, you know, create in, in 2016, Microsoft chatbot uh, also uh, it was praising Hitler within 48 hours. So, so um, we, we think social media is bad enough with with just real life hate mongers. And now what how how bad are things going to get once we get the robot racists also polluting social media? So I thought that was a fascinating story. Interesting and, and very depressing, I would say. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dan, I hope, do you have an underreported story that's that's less uh, depressing? My underreported story is uh, from the United Kingdom, where there's a leadership battle uh, for, the, uh, for the Tory party to replace Boris Johnson. And why is this important? Uh, because I think the United Kingdom is sort of uh, on the, maybe not the edge of an abyss, but when they voted for Brexit back in 2016, the whole idea was to create Singapore on the Thames. In other words, to break free of the bureaucratic mindset of the European Union and sort of chart a new free market uh, laissez-faire course for the United Kingdom. 
But then Boris Johnson, who won election to deliver Brexit, he wound up becoming a big government populist, just like Trump. He eventually got kicked out uh, by the Tory party under their parliamentary system, probably more for scandals than because of the big government policies. But now you have two candidates who both seem to be saying the right thing, but it's going to be a fundamentally important question. Would whoever the new Tory party leader, i.e. the new prime minister, is in the United Kingdom, will that person actually take advantage of having done Brexit to liberalize the British economy to control taxes and spending and make it Singapore on Thames instead of Paris on Thames, which is sort of what you got under Boris Johnson, who was raising taxes, raising spending. Uh, so, so I think, you know, in, in terms of major trading partners and, and a longtime special ally of the United States, I think what happens in, in the United Kingdom is very much worth watching because I am rather depressed about the direction of the country. Matt, last but not least, what's your most underreported story of the week? My my story is that um, there's a, a Washington Post story. Um, there's this group uh, called Pen America, which is a, a literary free speech organization. And they've uh, released a report showing that there are school districts across America um, where we basically, it's an epidemic of censorship that is being uh, across the country. Um, in Utah, the largest school district there has banned 52 books and they've got 32 um, that they want, that they're thinking of banning as well. Um, they also, in another school district in Utah, a, a woman who uh, works for the, uh, an activist group, she filed a police report against some books um, and was trying to claim that they were pornography. Um, and they even, these same people, the same district, they banned an uh, abstinence education book because it had the word sex in it. Um, like this is just an epidemic of censorship and lunacy. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks to our wonderful guests and thanks to all of you for watching or listening to the Square Circle. I'm Cecily Fernandez. Please subscribe to our channel and like this video or give it a five-star rating on your podcast platform. We'll see you next week.